Today we are reading from Luke 18 verses 9 to 13. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Fantastic, Amber. Thank you so much. Wasn't that just wonderful? Yeah, and, and thank you to all the children. We've got Sam uh, and Edith. <laughs> Abby, Abby. I think that's the second time I did that this year. Sorry, Abby. Uh, on the sound desk in the back, <laughs> kids. So good to have you involved and, and helping out. Um, one of the things we love about Pathway is just the role of kids. We love it so much, we memorise their names. We remember who they are. Sorry, Abby, I owe you a chocolate. Kids, while you're in church this morning, um, we'd love you to um, count how many times I'm going to say this morning the word trust. I don't actually know how many times I'm going to say it, so we need an adult to count as well. Any volunteers? So, so... Donna, <laughs> Reggie, Reggie will do it. So Reggie will be the, the, the umpire who will say how many times the word's been said. So let me read to you a little bit further down that passage that Amber read to us. Luke chapter 18, Amber read to us from verses 9 to 14. I'm going to read from 15 to 30 to you as well because there's a verse in there I want to ask you a question about. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him, but Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then a certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honour your father and your mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What's impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we've had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Right. Over the past two Sundays, we kind of started by saying this sort of a thing, that that God wants to be in a relationship with you. The idea, the, 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 the metaphor of the relationship God wants to have with you is that God wants to be your father, he wants you to be his child. And as his child... God wants to grow you. He wants to raise you up to live your life as his child. And this means that all sorts of areas of your life start to change. Little by little, but unstoppable, we grow up. Our lives are changed. One area that God does want to work on in all of us, every single one of his children, is the area of generosity. Put it more bluntly, how do we use our money as children of God? There are many questions about this and I'm going to address them over two sermons, one today and one on the 14th. Today I want to look at the heart of generosity and the next message I'll look at the hands. Today I want to look at the deeper things about this issue. Next time we'll look at the more practical things about this issue. Okay, so let's dive into the stuff that we've read today. Look at that statement for me, will you? I'll read it out again. This is Jesus' response to that rich young ruler. And he came to him, he said, what must I do to essentially be in a relationship with God? He's a list guy. He likes lists. Do you like lists? You like to check things off and you go, yeah, cool, I'm square, we've got it, good. This is what he wants. We all kind of like that. It's a safe zone for us. We feel safe there. <laughs> right? So, I don't know why, but Jesus gives him a few list things to draw in now. And he goes, oh, good, they're all checked. And then Jesus gives him this. I mean, what a statement. Let me ask you, what a... What are some questions that pop into your head when you read that? You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. (laughs) It's an astounding statement. I bet some of the questions you have, I mean, I look at it, I go, should I do that? Is this what Jesus wants me to do? 
various responses in various places. Some of you might be here, I'm new to church, and you go to yourself, well, what does how I use my money have anything to do with God anyway? Isn't this just how the church works? It just wants my money. Right? It might be your thinking today. You might be in a relationship with God and you say, well, I'm not like the rich guy. I'm on welfare. I live in housing commission housing. I, what do I have to sell anyway? What does God expect of me to sell if that's what's true for all of us here? You might be an average middle income person who owns half your house, a couple of second-hand cars and a highly prized second-hand pool table. Should you get rid of it? Your craft collection? Your Thermomix? You might be a business owner. Highly successful. You might be retired. Hugely asset rich comparatively to the rest of the people in the room. What do you do? Are you the rich ruler? Should you do exactly what Jesus said there? (laughs) I mean, these are the questions, right? It's stark questions. They're all very good questions. I think they're important questions we have to ask. And they're the wrong questions to start with. Absolutely wrong. You see, the question we have to bring to this rich young ruler is not should he sell his money, it's not should I give up all my money. The question we have to ask of him, you have to ask of yourself today, what did Jesus want from that rich ruler? What does Jesus want from you? That's the question. It's not your money. If only it was just your money. It would be easy. But it's not. To get the answer to what he really wanted from that guy, we've got to look at the, the other two passages that we read this morning. Let me take you through them. Uh, we, we, we read the first passage that Andrew read to us. Two characters who we meet. One is a Pharisee, sort of a religious guy. If you're new to church, picture him perhaps as a pious priest. Maybe picture him like a guy with jeans and some khaki shirt and glasses and no hair standing in front of you. Sort of the religious leader of the day. right? A good guy, morally Squeaky clean. <laughs> Don't picture me anymore. Uh, but, but at least p- perceived like that. Okay, that's, that's the first guy we meet. The other guy's a tax collector. You know you need to picture? Drug dealer. Drug dealer. The, the higher up drug dealer, just to get your conception of what a tax collector is. You know? We don't have tax collectors in our day, but, but, but drug dealers are rich people up the top, you know, and they used others and destroyed lives to enrich themselves. Despicable. These two people go to church and here's what they do. You you get the picture. The the Pharisee goes. He doesn't say it out loud, but really in his own mind, he looks at himself and he goes, Oh God, I'm so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful that, that I pray so often. I'm so grateful that you know, fasting was a practice where, and some Christians do it today still, it's, it it's, can be very helpful where you don't eat in order to focus your attention on God in, in prayer. He says, look, I, I do that. Thank you that I do that. Thank you that I give 
10% of all that I earn, I give away. Thank you for how different from the drug dealer I am. That I'm not like this tax collector. <laughs> the tax collector, like the drug dealer, he's in the car park. He's not even coming in. He's so acutely aware of the end of his rope that he's reached in his life. He's, he's on his knees. Picture the image of this in the temple, you know, head down. He won't even look up. And he knows that he needs God. He knows that he needs something. He's broken. Contrite might be the word. Painfully and acutely aware of his inadequacies, his inefficiencies, how little he deserves to be in a relationship with God. And in that broken place, he sits and he cries out, God, I need help. I need help. Is that you today? I'd love to know that there's drug dealers in our midst here today. I don't know that there are. But, but if it is, you're in, the, you're in the right place. If you identify with that type, welcome. And thank you that you came in because here's the staggering thing that Jesus says next. <laughs> he says, I tell you what, this guy, the tax collector, went home justified. Do you know who God wanted to be in a relationship with that day? It was not the good guy was the bad guy. was the tax collector. He's the one who, whom God is after. Now, can you picture for me, please, here the deep irony because we're talking about generosity and this passage is not all about generosity, but it is ironic in this sense. The tax collector is not the most generous guy of the two. <laughs> the Pharisee is far more generous. Yet he's not the guy <laughs> who steps away <laughs> with God's acceptance. It's a tax collector. It's not money that God's after. What is it? Sorry, Sam, can you move me up? I'm not clicking. Yep, here we go. Here's what God's after. He wants humble trust in him not self-reliance. Humble trust in him. Not self-reliance. <laughs> Whoever will exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is driven home in the next bit that Jesus talks about. He, he talks about this, again, I'm not going to spend long here, but, but take it with me. The little children who come to Jesus, and Jesus says the staggering thing to the people who surround him. He said, if you want to be in a relationship with God, you've got to be like these little children. No relationship for you out of that. None. The kingdom of God belongs. That's, 
that's a term for a relationship with God. We know that children trust parents. These were small children, almost babies. They don't question their parents' goodness and love, devotion to them. They trust unquestioningly, undoubtedly. A relationship with God requires humble trust in God. Now let me, that's all I'm going to say really as far as points are concerned today, folks. But I want to ask two questions, two objections that you rightfully should now put back to me. One is very deep. The other one surfaces a bit more. What about the 2.5 million adult Australians who trusted as little children, like little children, and were abused? What about the time when I trusted him, her, them? Like a little child, made myself vulnerable, and I got hurt. I don't mean to drag anyone through pain today. Maybe I am. But I will go to this place because, you see, trust has a lot to do with safety. We don't trust those with whom we do not feel safe. And I'm asking you today, well, I'm not asking, Jesus is asking us to trust him like little children. And you say to me, I have massive trust issues because you have no idea how difficult it is for me to trust because of where I've been and because of what was done to me and all of that. And I just want to say at this point, it would be cruel for me to ask you to trust without recognising your hurt. I see you, brother. I see you, sister. What I want to give you today is something that I hope that not I, but that God himself, who is here with us this morning, will bring you closer to trust him like a little child. He is safe. He's the one who created you, who says of you and of those who will trust in him that your name is written in the palm of his hand. Who knows you, who has known you from before you were born and from before the creation of this world has known that at this day, at this point, he would come to call you to trust in him because he is safety. There is no one safer than him on offer in heaven or earth or in existence. Trust him. Please. Trust him. Can I read to you these words of those who have placed their trust in him like little children for, for all of their needs, here's what they say. And I might try and put this on, so Sam, just click me over things. Can I read these words to you and, and I ask you to just hear them receptively? 
Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If you trust in God, you rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm not asking you to trust the church. I'm not asking you to trust any person. I'm asking you to trust the Almighty in whose shadow you ought to rest. And away from whom you can never be taken. You hear these words, the next bit on Romans, if you guys want to put that up for me. This is a person who's put his trust in God as well. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're safe with him. There is nowhere where you will be safer. And so my prayer, my invitation is that wherever you are, if you haven't placed your faith in God, that you would do so today. For the first time, perhaps. Simple prayer today. God, I want to trust you. You alone. That's it. He's trustworthy. You can come like a little child. You will be safe. Okay, that's the first thing we've got to deal with. It's quite deep. The next one is much more practical and a little bit more, a little bit more fun. Um, some of you would say to me, but there's a problem with this trust thing because one thing to say, okay, I trust God, but what do I do? Do I get rid of my super? I mean, do I just sell my house? Do I, I trust God for my future. You see, we all live in this world where we've got to work out what it looks like in the grey of life to live as a person who trusts God but still <laughs> need to sort of take responsibility for our lives. How does that look? How does that tension of saying, look, I just trust God for everything, but I also got to be responsible to take, you know, uh, a charge of myself. What does, that, what does that look like in the messiness of daily life when it comes to managing your relationships, your, your money, all that sort of stuff? Okay, I've got an illustration for you. This is what it should look like. We're going to get practical. And maybe, I hope you don't, but you might get a good laugh too. This little chair is, it feels really bad to say, this represents God. <laughs> Metaphorically only. Uh, I'm called and you are called to trust God like little children. I am going to, like a little child, trust that when I stand on this chair, it's going to hold me. I, I'm getting on it and this is it. Trust God. Recently in our life as a family, we've had to deal with a big decision. We've had to deal with the question of whether we are going to uh, live in Brisbane or live in Devonport, serve a church there or serve a church here. 
right? We've made our decision that we're going to be here. But here's something that I realized out of this process, and I think this is what God's higher purpose with it was, at least in the context of our lives. And I'm just giving an example from my life. I'll get you to think about your own life in just a second. You know what I found? I found at the end of it that I've written this kind of script for myself. Well, I wrote my own future. I'm going to move to Tasmania. I'm going to live in Tasmania for about five years. And then some opportunity is going to open up. It's going to be a brilliant opportunity. And I'm going to go home. And it's good. And in that five years, I, I don't think I realised it, but I gradually just started to trust in that idea for myself. Right? <laughs> and God, in such a wonderful way, Johnny, can you do me a favour? Kick this chair out from under my leg. Whoa! Righto. It's gone. <laughs> you trust me with your future. You don't plan your own future. What do you trust in? You see, the reality is our lives as children of God is constantly a battle of, I'm going to call it transfer of trust principle, right? Is it your health? Is it, is it your involvement in church? What you do for God, the church? Is it your money? Is it your children? Is it your desire for a partner? Or your current partner? What is it? It can be anything. Hardly ever bad things in themselves. But what we do is we start to shift the weight. To trust in that. The rich young ruler trusted his wealth. And you know what Jesus did? He kicked the chair. And he fell. So your question is, well, how do I know? How do I know where my trust really lies? And I'll say up front, this is very tricky. It's not as black and white as we like it to be because the reality is you can't just sit on this chair forever. You live in this world. You've got to have your foot on other chairs. My future. I can't say I'm just never going to think about my future again. Leadership's going to ask me, well, how long will you be around here for? I've got to think about that. I've got to keep my foot on that chair. I've got to be able to move that chair even to where it needs to be. I've got to stay involved in it. But where's the centre of gravity? Right? That's what you've got to ask yourself. It looks very similar. It's the difference between this and this. But you know the difference. My physical appearance gets taken away from me. Will I still stand or will I fall? That's where your trust is. That's where your heart is. And the great thing is that God makes a promise, such a wonderful promise to his children. If you're unsure, if you don't know, there's a beautiful part of the Psalms, 139, if you're not sure where your trust really is, pray it. Search me, O oh God. Test my thoughts. Test my heart. See if there's any 
offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. <coughs> transfer my trust. Don't just rip me out of this world irresponsibly, but transfer my trust to be where it should be from the position where I can really be involved in what I need to be involved in, move the chairs where I need to move them, but knowing my trust never rests on them. It rests on you. This transfer is ongoing for all of your life. You keep transferring trust. Simple as that. So, let me wrap up. God does not want your money. That's easy. Once you trust. We cannot be generous people in a healthy way unless we trust God. <laughs> unless we trust God, we can't be any sort of people really in a healthy way. But it's true for generosity. As true as it is for everything else. The question now still remains. What did Jesus want that tax collector to do? Does he just beat his breast forever? Or how does he use his money from that point on? You still need to ask the practical questions. I'm asking the practical questions. Next time we talk, we'll talk about that. Well, okay, how much money should I give? What should I give it to? What, you know, how do we manage it? What if I don't have any money? Uh, should I give 10%? That's sort of a guiding line. All those practical questions. I'm going to delve into that in two weeks' time, be more practical, but I want you to know at the outset that that is not what it's about. We can only deal with that in a healthy way. If our desire is to trust God, then we can talk about it. All right, let me pray for us, and then we go. Father, thank you that you are a trustworthy God. I pray that those in our midst here, can I pray on their behalf, and can I ask you to just open your heart to this prayer of this is you for the first time, that you would let them trust you. Let them find safety in the shadow of you, the Almighty. May that be the place where they want to be for the rest of their lives. I pray for those in this building who are children of yours, whose trust this morning is not where it should be. Would you transfer it to where it should be? Would you allow the circumstances of their lives to be such that you gently, lovingly bring them back? We thank you, God, for where our trust is in the right place. I pray for Pathway to Life Church. May our trust as a church be entirely in you, not in what we do, not in who we have, but in you. Strengthen that in us. Fulfill it in us. And let it glorify you in incredible ways, we pray. And this we pray. In the trustworthy name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, music team.